No words are spoken, only typed out. That's right. So just go ahead and make sure you W-R-I-T-E, your travel agent. <laughs> That's right. And book a ticket to International RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty book podcast. <laughs> it's a book podcast now. <laughs> the The show's never coming back, and we're just talking about books on Interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast. My name is Travis. My name is Brandon. And welcome Thank to, you. to this Welcome to this. Welcome this to a podcast where we talk about Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear not, fear not, travelers. the The new season will be here before you know it. Uh, it's like a month and a half, two months away. Who knows? But it it's got to come eventually, right? It has to, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. 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 That's fine. Uh, it'll it'll be it'll be here soon enough. Uh, ready for your ear and eye holes. It just, I'm just, I'm just looking so much towards it, you know. You're looking so much towards it. Yeah, I'm also and we're looking to forward in. to watching the show and talking to all of you, Unity, that are listening or watching live on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, if you want to connect with us and tell us how excited you are for season four, there are so many ways you can do that. You can head over to Rick and Morty Podcast.reddit.com or the mm. Rick and Morty.reddit.com subreddit and just talk with the folks that keep reposting memes out there uh you can follow <laughs> us on twitter at uh, rick and morty pod or you can go to our website rick and you can also look us up on facebook rick and morty podcast or send us an email at rick and morty podcast at gmail.com that's right email is still a thing that we use yes it is it is we we actually do get emails from folks from time to time yeah it's it's not all the time but sometimes we get an email like we got one from from t public and they're like hey do your do your store and i said yeah sure uh and i put like a design on there and we did it yeah and sometimes our emails are not like spam so so that's great Oh, we we have a fun noise over on the from the folks that are watching along at twitch.tv slash apathetic enthusiasm uh, or over on YouTube. Just search apathetic enthusiasm. But uh, R10 and NX hosting our hosting our show once Hey-o. again. Oh, uh, our- big, big ups to you. Thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> uh, and thanks to everybody that is following along uh, live and, and waiting eagerly every Monday night for a new episode of whatever podcast we are delivering it's so happy to have you along this this ride through literature with us this roller coaster ride yes sir uh i i recorded an episode of submitted for your approval yesterday or yeah yesterday day before with old matt size mode size mode and uh and i thought oh man this would be i could probably put this on on twitch and then i was like nah too much work Meh. We'll plus let we'll let Travis just handle all that that <laughs> streaming business, uh, and, and 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 he can <laughs> he can deal with all the like happy sounds that come from alerts and when people do fun things. That's right. That's uh, right. But yeah, thanks thanks to everybody that's watching, and uh, one final thank you to everyone over at patreoncom Pod that continues to to support the show financially. That's you right. guys, you guys are the real heroes. Um, all right. Well, I think I don't know unless there's any like. I don't know, 
non Rick and Morty type related things you want to talk about, we can we can jump right into this episode if you're ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you do you do you want me to do do you want me to do a, a wacky and wild semi pertinent news or uh, should we do it do it differently? Uh well, let's just let's just get into our first segment, which yeah. is semi pertinent news. Normally, this is where Brandon would do a, a wacky and and zany stupid uh, improvised yeah basically. stupid musical intro <laughs> uh but it is it is uh with heavy hearts that we we deliver some some somber news uh in semi-pertinent news we uh I, we're probably like not delivering this news to you this is this is about a, a week uh late but uh if you haven't heard uh there was a loss last week in the Rick and Morty community, Mike Mendel, who was a producer on Rick and Morty uh, from from the get go. He helped uh, get the show rolling. He's also worked on The Simpsons and countless other um, animated shows. I think he he worked on The Critic. Yeah, he worked on The Critic, too, as well. Man, I remember being a very young human and and watching the <laughs> critic and really appreciating that show quite a bit yeah um, yeah, yeah what what's so what, what's crazy to me uh is you know his his name is a name you saw on all for rick and morty you saw on in every episode uh in in, yeah. the, in the credits uh produced by mike mendel and it, it's it, uh, even we, we we talked to to brian jordan newton at one point in time i think he's mentioned mike mendel uh throughout throughout his interviews and it, it's one of those names that you're like okay okay you can just kind of take for granted or whatever um and then and then you hear about his passing and then you think i like l- then that was my time to look him up and uh i think last episode was when like uh harman was already talking about it on on harman town that was that was monday of last week that was last week mm-hmm. and uh i was like oh Oh, like he's he's a big he was a bigger part of the show that I knew that I knew, um, and then I looked more into him and realized you know I'm a huge Simpsons fan, especially you know those first ten seasons which he worked on, yeah, uh, and and was was instrumental in bringing it from the Tracy Ullman show into a primetime television thing, and and just realizing like oh this guy has had. Uh, whether I, I knew it or not, had just a profound effect on me growing up and, and who I am as far as pop culture goes. Um, and uh, and I so I just I wanted I wanted to make sure that we gave him a shout out um, just to just to say how much we appreciate him. Uh, I I know that over on on Twitter, over on Facebook, uh, there's just so much uh, admiration uh, for this guy from folks who currently work on Rick and Morty who've said, you know, Hey, uh, you know, he got his, he got them their first job in the industry, uh, you know, talking about how they're devastated. Justin Roiland put out that, uh, he's, he's devastated about it. Um, a bunch of folks from the Simpsons, Mike Scully, uh, Josh Weinstein, uh, Seth Green, who wasn't on the, yeah. who wasn't a Simpsons guy, but, um, yeah, Alex, but still part of the adult swim family and yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure probably, uh, worked on some projects uh, with him or something like that. Yeah, and then and, and then uh, and then uh, you listened to Harmontown. You listened to the whole Harmontown thing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and and it was it was a sudden thing. Like it was not like uh, like he wasn't sick or anything. So it was it whenever whenever 
someone dies and it's like sudden it's it's sometimes almost a little bit more jarring because like he was out with with people from work the night before at a dodgers and game. then yeah yeah and then all of a sudden uh, the next day he's gone and so uh dan really was was just sort of trying to put you know his thoughts out there and um anger is is sort of a direction that he moves uh initially as he works through you know dabda and the denial anger bargaining all of that stuff but uh yeah just really uh him and and rob schraub both just uh really uh sharing their hearts and sharing um the the connection that they had with mike and and it's it's interesting to me because uh there the, you think about you know the creators of Rick and Morty, and you think of Justin and Dan, but uh, it's I mean from all the accounts that I've heard, like Mike was was in the center of that as well, and really like he was that that quiet, you know, like third partner in in crime that that like made sure the trains ran on time and made sure yeah. episodes came out, and and Dan kind of credits him as being the guy that made sure. They actually made the episodes. I think on Harmontown he says, uh, "If it wasn't for Mike, that they you'd only have like two, four two episodes, episodes <laughs> every eight years or something instead of yeah, you know what what we've gotten so far." So, yep. a, a huge loss for the show, and uh, you know our hearts go out to everyone uh, in the Mendel family as well as uh, on the crew and everybody that knew him. Uh, just sorry, sorry to you, and uh, hopefully. Um, I don't know. We can honor his memory in some way, some way, shape, or form. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah. That's so that's, that's semi pertinent news. We we had transitioned into a, a, a Dan Harmon social media minute. Um, Dan I, on his Instagram again uh, was talking about this topic over the last week, uh, posting a photo of a cute little kitten. But uh, his words in in the caption really um embody his frustration and sort of his wrestling with with grief and it's it's real like we 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 joke about you know dan and justin and these larger than life characters who are real people um that make make amazing television but you know they they deal with loss the same way we do and so yeah again sorry to those guys uh it's 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 uh you know, it's it's a it's 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 a downer. It really sucks. Um, but hopefully, uh, the rest of this episode can uh, maybe bring some joy and honor uh, the work that that Mike did on on Rick and Morty, and uh, as well as the rest of the cast and crew. So, uh, yeah, that that's right. That is semi pertinent news. That was that 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 was it. Uh, that's we, it. That's it. I for I forwent wacky things so we could talk about something serious. Uh, yeah, and now and now back to our regularly scheduled program. Blah blah blah. Everything's so happy. Yeah, let's let's break the tension here a little bit. Uh, let's let's get into uh, the main thing. Bring percussion in. I I. I love that we both ASMR. got pocket operators so that we could make cool music <laughs> bits. And then we only used them on the show where we talked about pocket operators. That's right. Um, I, for, I forgot there. how to use it's it. It's there. <laughs> it's there. I forgot to use it. Uh, well, 
Well, as as we hinted at the top of the show, we are again uh, talking about books in this episode. Uh, on our last episode, we talked about comic books, and we, we covered uh, some of the early comics, Rick and Morty comics. But we have a very different sort of book to share with you this week. Uh, it, is, it is finally the time when we will feature an interview with Matt Ooh. Brady, the author of uh, The Science of Rick and Morty. The unofficial guide to Earth's stupidest show. Uh, we actually did this interview um, a, month a few ago. weeks ago. Uh, it's been a month ago. I mean, if we're if we're being honest, we've done this interview twice. <laughs> I think I think we've hinted about it uh, for on several occasions. We got to talk to Matt before the book was released in the UK, but it is finally time for us rebellious Americans to to get our hands uh, on this book. And so <laughs> uh, Matt was gracious enough to come back and meet with us again and uh, talk more about the book. And, and it was awesome because we got a chance to actually read through yeah. the book um, prior to this interview. So it really uh, allowed us to be better interviewers this yeah. time and ask more, more uh, I don't know, decent questions yeah de more decent questions and, and and you know what what's what's interesting is we we prepared way more for this this interview and i felt like i did such a a, a sh exponentially shittier job <laughs> talk, talking to him um you did fine you I did fine i'm sure we're, we're a great team there brandon yeah <laughs> oh i mean that's <laughs> right about that <laughs> oh shit well, well, uh, that I mean, I don't want to talk it up too much. Maybe you guys will love it. Maybe you guys won't. But uh, this is our interview with Matt Brady, author of The Science of Rick and Morty. All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are here with Matt Brady, the author of The Science of Rick and Morty. Uh, the unofficial guide to the Earth's stupidest show. Uh, so, so happy you could join us for this interview, Matt. It's good to have you back. Thanks for having me. This is great. Uh, for, for those of you um, that didn't catch uh, our previous conversation, because we didn't really have all of the conversation, uh, we did have Matt on a show uh, a few months ago, and due to some technical difficulties, uh, we did not get all of that interview. So we're so happy that he's back to talk about the U.S. release of his book, uh, releasing October 1st, 2019. Uh, wherever I'm assuming wherever books are sold, I don't, it do should you, be yeah. Wherever books are sold, uh, Amazon, anybody you like to buy books from online, and and yeah, everywhere. Uh, yeah, so we we've actually gotten a chance to look over this book a little bit, and I have to say uh, there is a lot of great information in here. I was I was actually surprised by um, some of the stuff that that's in this book, uh, and and so you you basically use like biome uh, biometry. That's that's how scientific <laughs> I am using the word biometry, uh, biology, chemistry, physics, uh, all the things in the series. Uh, you take uh, you explain some of the biggest questions occupying the greatest minds today, including can we hack memory? Uh, will we ever be able to alter our basic intelligence? How far will we be able to go with cloning? Could we travel to parallel universes? What energy could you get from a microburst battery? And can you control a cockroach's nervous system with your tongue? There's way more than that in this book. <laughs> I'd like uh, to say that that last part is the most important part, I think, of, of I, everything. I think that's the question on everyone's minds uh, constantly <laughs> at all times. 
Um, but your your background is actually um, as an educator, right? Well, uh, a good chunk of the last 11 years of my background, I have been uh, teaching science. I teach high school science um, at the honors and regular and uh, IB level, um, which is international baccalaureate. It's kind of a, similar to an AP level, um, but I teach chemistry and physics. Um, prior to that, though, I co-founded and ran the site newsarama.com, which back in the day was the biggest comic book news website. It was kind of kind of as comics were just starting to really explode um, into the pop culture scene. And so I did that for about 15 years before teaching. And I had gotten a master's in marine biology before that, did graduate work in physiology and pharmacology. So I'd kind of blended pop culture with science all along. And uh when I got into the classroom, um, I moved into a, a, a Title I school, which is um, it's some education jargon, but it's basically shorthand for saying it's a high poverty, high minority um, school. And I needed some way, some kind of common ground to connect with my students. And as it turns out, Pop culture has no native language. It has no kind of cultural bias built into it. It's just cool. And so luckily that was about the same time that uh, like the DC shows were coming out on the CW. And um, I, I remember one of the my first, first month in teaching, um, somebody told me, what do you think about Disney buying Marvel? And I was like, Whoa. So <laughs> I guess that kind of times me or, or puts me where I was um, at the time. Um, but I use pop culture a lot in my classes. And I found that it was great at getting people to kind of think about this stuff and then think more about the science because they felt they understood the pop culture. They felt some kind of ownership with the pop culture. And so they just were able to kind of go, oh, I, well, I like The Flash. I like Deadpool. I wonder what this science is about that has Deadpool in it. And, and so that's kind of what I've been doing for the past uh, now 11 years. I'm just starting my – on Monday, I'll start my 11th year teaching. And that, that man, that that's really that's really awesome. I just love I love the, using uh, this common lexicon or common shared experience uh, with 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 everybody to really get after some of these the the things we see on television and don't realize a lot. Oftentimes, there's there's fact behind it, right, right. even though in, in CSI, uh, maybe enhancing an image um, <laughs> so far away is, is maybe a little far-fetched. There, or getting that DNA test back in about 15 minutes. <laughs> right. Uh, there's, still, there's still at least some science behind that aspect of it. Um, I, 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 I've asked you before, but... He, you know, uh, as as you know, this kids rolling through, they talk about uh, aging you and, and Marvel uh, being bought by Disney. How often do you get to be like, hey, here's a here's another uh, story. Here's Terminator uh, 85, you know, with Schwarzenegger. And here's it, it has to be. It has to be the, the the good stuff, the classic stuff. Um, there is there's a lot of pop culture that does not age well, and if you bring something into the classroom um, that doesn't have that kind of that that grab, um, your students will look like look at you like you're the mummy, and it, it hurts. It hurts a lot when you realize, you know, like Terminator eighty five. You're talking about a movie that's 
you know, uh, I can't do the math in my head right now, but it's really old. It's, you know, going on 40 years, maybe older. Um, and, and so, but at the same time, I wouldn't maybe use it in a science classroom, but Terminator still has, still has some chops when it comes to getting people talking about bigger issues. Um, Star Wars, the original Star Wars, you can still use that and say, look, Tatooine has two suns. Let's talk about planet systems with two suns. And you find out that really two suns is kind of normal in in the galaxy and the universe. And we're kind of weird because we just have one. And so there is there's always some science that you can kind of dig down into and find and kind of hold up and say, look at this. This is cool. And and because that that pop culture wrapper around it it's it's easier to take it's easier to take for students and for for other groups um my wife and i both um do this and and talk about science and we go out into the city uh into the community and and with other groups and we do it the same way and it works across all age groups all all uh all demographics really so so i being a Rick and Morty podcast, obviously we have to ask the question, the topic of Rick and Morty and how uh, the science behind Rick and Morty uh, comes into play. Is that, was that like from the students, like they had an interest in it and then you were like, Oh, maybe I should check this show out. Or were you like already a fan of the show? And then that got you thinking about the science behind it. I was, I think I got into it before my students did. Um, being in, in public education, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I always err on the side of being a little bit more conservative, perhaps when I, when I'm thinking about what kind of popular culture to introduce to my students. Um, I knew, I, I loved Rick and Morty and, um, but it was something I, I was really not anxious to bring into the classroom because as soon as you, as soon as you show, you know, maybe a clip for something that was kind of neat in a science way someone's you know having sex with an alien or (laughs) or doing some sort of alien drugs or something right or or putting that seed way up there um and so i wasn't using it um the way it 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 turned out was uh i run or my wife and i run a website called the science of.org um where we kind of do the same thing that we do in class, which is to use pop culture to get people thinking about science and kind of explain some science behind some pop culture or tie the two together. And I'd written a couple articles about Rick and Morty, um, one about Tiny Earth or Dwarf Terrace (laughs) with some number on it, um, and the other about uh, the cockroach brain. And from there, um, my editor contacted me and said, hey, I saw these articles on your website, would you be interested in writing this book? And so, yeah, I hadn't used it in, in, I don't even think I've used it yet in class. I haven't used Rick and Morty just yet. Um, it, it's, it's a little bit, again, it's a little bit dicey with public school. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the last thing I want to do is, you know, introduce my students to this, you know, R rated cartoon <laughs> And then have a parent walk into the room when they're watching it saying, well, my teacher's talking about it in school. And yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm telling you, 
getting that call to go to the principal's office, it does not get better with age. It's, it's just <laughs> I, not you know, I, I believe it. I, I'm often like out and about in places and I see some kids with like a Rick and Morty shirt on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. at times I am baffled uh, by it just because I'm like, wow, is like you watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, every, everybody has, you know, different. Uh, yeah, right, right, Brandon. Everybody has different. That's, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah. My 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 son's like, oh, hey, remember when uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole was on that episode? Like, yeah, yeah. You're you're seven. Uh, don't nice. say that. Don't talk about that at school. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and of course, by the time you know, I had seniors. It was, it was one of those things that just you know, kind of by lucky convergence, we both happened, quote unquote, happened to come upon Rick and Morty. At the same time, I mean, I'd been a fan for a long time and I'd hear them talking about it in class. And I'd, I think there was a while that they didn't know I was writing the book. And uh, there was a while that my students kind of just really were wondering, why does Mr. Brady, why is he able to finish the quotes from, from when we're talking about what, what was said on Rick and Morty and how come he really knows like details about this stuff and you know well no it was the brine that was on his tongue because he was a pickle that's what activated the neurons in the cockroach's brain and I go and help the next group or something like that <laughs> and they're just left wondering uh, wow that's amazing uh, just the, sort of like a covert uh, yep. Yep. You know, obsession with the show well I, I gotta say uh, going through the book we, we both Brandon and I have gotten a chance to to read through it and there i mean i'm so excited to have this conversation with you again because there are so many things in the book that really sort of sparked questions for brandon and i and uh we'd love to discuss some of them with you if uh if that's cool and sure certain topics uh brandon why don't you hit that first topic Oh, why, why, why don't I? So, so, uh, cause it was your topic <laughs> that, well, just because it's an order, uh, on, on our, on our notes. Uh, so you, you break, you break the book up in, into obviously a bunch of different areas of science. And, right. and I, and I, I, the, the first thing I really want to say is I, I love, I love that it is, uh, it, it is, Pop culture again, as you're saying, wrapped uh, or or a- academia wrapped in the pop culture pill, because uh, there's there's, I guess I was I wasn't necessarily expecting how much information is is inside the book, uh, and and I and I love it. Uh, like the the first uh, some of the first couple pages into the alien life, for instance. Uh, me coming into it, I'm like, well, uh, what, like, what is he going to talk about when it comes to alien life? And one of the first things you talk about is uh, Miller and Yuri. I think that's how you say his name, right? Yep. Uh, recreating the creation of life's building blocks or, or amino acids, yeah, uh, kind of, sort of, yeah, yeah. It, and uh, in in the fifties, and I thought, holy, hold, <laughs> oh, this is this is how this book is going to go. That's fascinating to me. Um, so I, so I guess my question is like for like alien life, you know, how did you, how did you kind of start building that and, and, and shaping the narrative you want to talk about when it comes to alien life, you know, with all, all the stuff that Rick bumbles into? Um, well, first of all, thanks. Uh, that was hearing you guys say that you really enjoy the, the amount of information and science in it. That was kind of what my editor and I kind of, kind of took a, a swing on of writing this as a covert science book that you didn't know you were reading a science book until you got done with it and went, whoa. Um, 
but as for the alien life and kind of how I, I, I started that out, um, really it was just kind of how I do, how, how the, I do the stuff in my classroom and the articles that I write on the website. It was, okay, we're going to take as a given that there is alien life. Well, how do we, how do we get to that? How do we get to alien life? Uh, how did we get to life here? And, you know, when it comes to life in our universe, um, we have a a sample size of one that we know about where it happened. And so we know a good amount about life in our experience on our planet. And so it just kind of you start picking apart those pieces. And there are chunks of that where you can kind of say, well, okay, this is what happened here. But what if this happened here? And what if the planet didn't have as much carbon, but it had more silicon, for example? And could you get life based on silicon where our life is based on carbon? Maybe that's something that a lot of people have talked about. Um, Could you get life just starting spontaneously? Um, Is there a situation, a a collection of... um, physics rules and laws and uh, just chemistry together that if you have all these things at the right place at the right time, you'll just have life. Um, And so that's kind of where I started with it. And I got to admit, especially with the alien life, I'm quite lucky that I was writing this book now rather than 15 years ago. (laughs) The idea of astrobiology is... It's a it's a big deal now. Um, I like to tell like my students when we talk about it. I th- I think in my students' lifetime, hopefully in my lifetime, we will find some, you know, absolute evidence of alien life. Not you know the planet Vulcan with Mr. Spock on it, but <laughs> something under the ice in, in on Enceladus or something in the Martian soil or something in the clouds of Venus. We will find other life somewhere and. There is a lot of research and a lot of hypotheticals being asked about that kind of stuff. And so now just this, it's almost as if there's a a large chunk of science that's just poised and ready to go. As soon as we find it, it'll just be, aha, so wait a minute, I said this and he said that and she said that and it's actually this. And so there's a lot of research that really was out there just kind of waiting to be you know, synthesized to, to put together into the larger picture that I was kind of trying to put together in that chapter. So right. when you, when you formulate like one of these chapters and you want to talk about alien life or cloning or time travel, like what, what like direction do you approach those topics from? Do you like kind of get the, the more overall topic and then you like find a lot of interesting like research on that and then find ways to connect it to Rick and Morty? Or was it really like specific elements within the show that drove your research for the book? Yeah. The, the, the latter one there, I I found the examples in, in the show and would kind of use those as my, as my destinations that I was driving to, um, and, and fill in the science, um, you know, for the, for the alien life chapter, it doesn't say everything about alien life that there is to be said. It's not a book about alien life, um, but it, it does. I'd like to think it does address a lot of um, a lot of the alien life that you see in Rick and Morty. Um, that there is a slight there. There is a variety of of alien body types and morphologies. Um, 
which I, I mentioned in the book is kind of always has been a bias of science fiction. It's just easier for us to understand. But then, you know, you had you had Fart, who was a sentient <laughs> cloud. Um, and that just got weird and trippy in, in many ways. Um, right, right. Because you, you talk about difference between uh, carbon-based and, and yep. what and uh, what Fart would be like and, yep. and what, what, kind of, right. what kind of world would exist from that, right? Right, right. And, and his... Uh, it, it's lying in there. I don't know if it was a male or a female or if they even identify. Um, but Fart's line of, you know, whenever we find carbon-based life forms, we, we treat them as, you know, garbage. We just need to get rid of them. They're a pestilence. And, and you know, it's who's to say that we are the carbon-based life form is the best way to go or anything like that. So, yeah, I'd really, I'd really kind of use the examples in the series as my touch points and like i said as my destinations and build it to that and um especially like with cloning well we see these clones and in this episode operation phoenix is under the garage and um what would it take do we have what it takes to get there and when it comes to cloning we don't but (laughs) we're getting closer i i I really enjoyed that chapter and I, I like That's the way weird. Uh, I, I, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I like started the, ordering things from Amazon. No, I don't. I don't have uh, Operation Phoenix going in my basement or anything yet. Uh, but uh, I, there there are times in there where like uh, you use one of my favorite quotes from the show. Uh, how sometimes science is more art than science. Um, <laughs> right, and, right. and and I like the way that you do kind of sprinkle those references from the show uh, and really like some of some of the really meaningful times when it makes sense. Um, but I am still a little conflicted about bio bags and I, I read about those and I'm, those uh, things are, they're getting better. It's like <laughs> since the time, um, in the time that, well, the book, you know, obviously no secret, the book was published first in the UK. And so it was done early this year, yeah, early 19. And so I was writing about bio bags in late, last year late winter fall last year and in that time um the person that was helping me with the bio bags and kind of um just letting me bounce some ideas off of her pointed out it's like have you seen this they've gotten better and (laughs) they're ready to and i saw like some uh, popular science article about them as well and they're like they're ready to bring a lamb to full term in one I'm, I'm going to be real transparent with you and the listeners. Uh, my wife is a huge Grey's Anatomy fan, and I sat in the room when they had, like, an episode with, like, bio bags in there, and they had lambs in these bags. And I'm like, that's a weird thing for Shonda Rhimes to come up with. And then reading it in your book, I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, this is a thing that people are doing. And yeah, so it was, it was really interesting to read about and uh, kind of see now. Something for you and your wife to talk about now. (laughs) Because she is not a Rick and Morty fan. (laughs) (laughs) I've given you common ground. Uh, I just want to I just want to throw out there uh, if if for those who don't know what a bio bag is, uh, it's it's basically what like an external womb is. Yep. Yep. It has it has the you're able to flush out the the synthetic amniotic fluid and it the it's matched perfectly to the right now they're just working with sheep, but you're able to match it perfectly with the the what's needed by the unborn lamb that's in there and it, it kind of throughout the book too um, especially with the cloning um, chapter you kind of you start to realize a lot of animal research 
reaches a point and then your experiment's over and you just say, okay, shut it off. <laughs> and that's what they've done here and there with the bio bags. I'm not 100% certain if they've brought one to term. Like I said, I think they're ready to or they're going to soon. Um, but yeah, the, the, the lambs, I believe they've started growing fur and will kind of kick in there and move around. And it's just kind of a big plastic bag. <laughs> uh, so be on the lookout, amazon.com slash bio bags. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a part uh, you mentioned when you're talking about, when you're talking about bio bags and, and the, the fluid leaking out, there's a, there's a movie back in the eighties, um, the abyss. Do you remember? Oh yeah. Abyss. Yep. Uh, and, and they, in order to go deeper, they breathe a liquid, right? And it's like, right. this is, this is uh, amniotic fluid. This is what you breathe when you're a baby. And, uh, and when I, when I grew up a little bit more, I was, I said, no, that, well, that's, you don't breathe when you're, uh, the umbilical cord that you're not, you know, you're getting all everything you need from the umbilical cord, whatever. Um, that's not real science, is it? Uh, and then, and then I read, uh, then I followed up with, uh, the chapter in well, inventions mm-hmm. with specifically breathing water and that there is a liquid that you can breathe. Right. Right. And I just, I was like, well, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think we're, we're probably letting our, our different ages show. Cause yeah, you mentioned it was an old movie called the abyss. I saw that in the theater, son, uh, get off my lawn. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Um, there was, oh gosh, it was like around, oof, I don't know, late seventies or something, um, that there was a picture that came out either in life magazine or national geographic. Uh, and I reference it in the, in that chapter that they were able to get a mouse to breathe this fluid. And it's a picture of a mouse underwater, just perfectly fine doing a doing everything a mouse would do and just (laughs) under there and alive and well and i remember that for for me and like i don't know how you know other people saw it but it kind of became this weird nerdy sciencey touchstone of just like oh my gosh um and so yeah and that's and then it makes sense you know i think i'm probably about the same age as uh as dan Harmon and uh, justin's a little bit younger but you know just that that's such a weird thing that just hooks in your brain i you know if i close my eyes i can still see it it's a big it's a flask and the the mouse is kind of being held under the the surface of that liquid and it's just stuck in my brain and of course then you know you saw it of course if rick's going to build a a a play play playland for his daughter that's completely free of any danger that's what he'll put in the in the streams and the rivers that if she falls in there she can breathe but it's a it's a real problem because our lungs are built and made for breathing air, which has a lot less mass and a lot less density than any fluid we can imagine. Um, but they do use it. They use it sometimes in different surgeries, but you have to have kind of a pump there to help move the fluid in and out of the lungs. Um, and this fluid, though, can carry about the same or a bit more oxygen than air can. So it in theory, it works. Um, but if you were, what was it? It was Ed Harris in the abyss. If you, yeah. if you did that for real, um, and if you didn't have a pump moving it in and out of your lungs, kind of helping you breathe, um, you'd die because it would just, yeah. it wouldn't circulate and it would just yeah. be kind of the bad so, stuff would be stuck there. 
So take that as a note, listeners. Don't don't go trying to create your own yeah. breathable water. However, uh, something else in the inventions chapter that I'm uh, so happy you put in for all the doofus ricks out there. Uh, you talk about ovenless brownies, and you actually you include a recipe in the book, yep, yep. which I thought was fantastic. Uh, that entire chapter is great. I won't I won't give uh, too much away. It's de- but it's definitely uh, very cool to see some of the really wild and crazy inven- inventions that Rick has come up with on the show, and how many parallels there are to actual things that people have created. Yeah, uh, and. And if you if you kind of go through that entire chapter, the the stuff, you know, the 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 actual things from the series that didn't that I couldn't like match up to a science that didn't have any kind of feet in the real world, it was a really small list. I mean, it was I think it was a few things here and there, and and mostly all the toys he made for Beth when she was young, um, that beth really needed some help um but yeah it was a really small list and the one thing i loved including on the inventions was the moon towers that um showed up in that one episode where evil rick uh came out and was gonna use that from uh the what bathe the bathe the town or bathe the world in the the toxic the top moon tower. everyone yeah yep yep and it's like moon towers are are, were a thing and still are in Austin, but uh, the only reason I know about Moon Towers is because of the movie Dazed and Confused, where yep. they have a party at the Moon Tower. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. That that yeah, I I was researching that and I'm like, oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, that's where I knew them from too. Um, I. I there, there, there's so many things, and and again, you you watch you watch Rick and Morty, and you think, well, that's that's kind of far out. Uh, that's I don't think that that that's feasible or possible. Um, and there's a whole lot of science talk, obviously, in the show. Um, how how difficult was it for you to go go through? Because uh, I'm sure you watched the series multiple times, just kind of like yes. you know, <laughs> uh, brain, brainstorm and kind of like, oh, let's let's focus on this. Uh, was there Anything that was extraordinarily difficult or uh, frustrating to weed out uh, fact versus fiction or, 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 or tying science to those things? There were a couple things, um, specifically when the, the science, the quote unquote science in the series wasn't so much science as it was a storytelling mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like the original Star Trek uh, back in the 60s. Uh, the, the transporter wasn't so much technology then even though we we pretty much know how that would work now um it was just a means not to show a shuttlecraft going out and (laughs) landing and and save some money right um and so the the portal gun for instance the portal gun it's you know it it has analogs in many many different types uh, many different science fiction you know classics and and other types of stories um but boy you know, it's just I think that's kind of if you if you press the pages of that chapter close to your ear, you can kind of hear me just going, huh? <laughs> maybe um, Hold on, yeah, listen. Hold and on. it was yeah, just there. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was tough to put put science to that. And that was kind of one of the ways that initially we were ex- we were thinking about organizing the book of just like how far out is this science? And the portal gun um, is 
you know, centuries and centuries and centuries, if we can even figure it out ever, of that much energy that you'd need to go between dimensions or, or different locations or things like that. But it was nice to see, though, the at least the consistency that they had I think 99% of the time of the blue portals and the green portals and the portal gun was lost here and it didn't just magically reappear here. So, you know, hats off to that kind of keeping track and continuity. Um, even if the science was kind of, huh, maybe it does this, maybe it's this. And even though, you know, that kind of stuff, you'd, you'd think, oh, well, then you got all kinds of freedom to just whatever science you want. It's like, no, I'm, you know, I, I want to tie this to, to real science as much as I can. And so I think the portal gun was one of the big things that was just like, don't know, don't know. <laughs> um, a few others just here and there kind of in the applications, concentrated dark matter. Uh, boy, if we knew what dark matter was, maybe we'd know what concentrated dark matter was, um, but we don't. So I don't think it could be concentrated, um, yeah. but you just, be interesting you just take the could... water out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that's right. You find it in the freezer section uh, with uh, orange or juice. Or don't add as much water to it when you're making it in right. the bucket in your... Uh, Yep. Right. <laughs> yes, you've you've definitely watched the episodes plenty of times. <laughs> uh, I, I I know there's like a lot of like science that feels like really far out there and really um, you talk about like, you know, intergalactic space travel and multiverses and all kinds of stuff. But then there's like a lot of stuff that we almost don't really think about in, in terms of like science because it's so like close to home, but they've still been like elements of the show many times whether it's like going into someone's dreams or like dealing with somebody's like memories and things like that and like you know most of us dream almost every night uh and but you talk about that in the book and you talk about um like really like the science of memories and how memories are formed and then like you even talk about how scientists have been able to like capture those memories right mm-hmm Right, right. So far in in mice, pretty much, and uh, but that's that's some fascinating stuff. That the ideas that you know science fiction has been telling us, you know, are going to happen someday. You know, they're they're you're starting to see those those little bits here and there of uh, you know that's that's kind of like taking a memory and replaying it in your head. Um, some of the stuff that they've done with mice and uh, the light, yeah, right, right, activating neurons. Um, it's just, it's amazing. But you know, there's that little voice in the back of your head going, "This is really weird. This is really, really weird." <laughs> let's let's not go any further with, with that type of stuff. Well, yeah, we go back to to um, Jurassic Park, and yeah. you know, when we're just thinking, "Hey." Could we? <laughs> Shouldn't we be asking? Should we? Well, there, there's a. Uh, think we should. <laughs> well, you know, uh, video games, right? So Assassin's Creed, that the the that whole series of game was based off the idea that memory could be passed down through DNA because right, because right. because memory, uh, as you you know, go on to explain a little in the book, is it's not just this kind of. You know, you guys, you're picturing something in your head. No, there's there's a physiological change that happens, right? right. Uh, as you're, it is a, a series of paths that create a memory, and, and you have the example of remembering where Q is in relation to the alphabet, right? Saying the whole thing that is that it's is following a, a path, right? It's a it's a 
you know, a lot of research suggests that memory is is literally a structure that goes, you know, spreads out through your brain, physically spreads out through your brain. And like you said, figuring out where, where Q is in the alphabet, if I can't get there on one path, well, then I can come around a different part of my brain, sing the song in my head, which is going to be <laughs> encoded in a different area. And bing, I'll hit that kind of that same final piece of information. But I just came up, came through in a, in a different pathway. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. what was so was so cool to me that you, you, you bring this up because uh, in relation to changing memories and uh, specifically uh, total recall, right, uh, with with the parasites and how they they are, are effectively uh, what you bring up is reconsolidation is is changing the memories of these of the people and how. That is based in uh, some some experience experiments with college students, and uh, basically, your memories are vulnerable when you're rec recollecting them. Right, when you're remembering them, they're kind of soft and open up for reconstruction. And um, yeah, that research is just terrifying in a way. That, <laughs> and, and you know, it's terrifying and just to think about of just you know not to. Not to get all, you know, sociological, but holy crap, that is so, our memories are so wide open for exploitation. Gas, and it, gaslighting. It, like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, well, it's like that, you know, the line that you, you know, you watch enough Law and Order and, and you see, oh, you know, we have a, we have an eyewitness. Uh, we don't trust the eyewitness. Their, <laughs> their, you know, their memories are terrible. Their, their memories are so susceptible to what they want them to be. What are they? Magic grits? <laughs> from, from my cousin, Eddie, if I was listening. Okay. But, but yeah, I mean, you can change those memories can be changed. And especially that one, the, the research that I talk about in the book, the, the, um, the project had to be canceled because it was just, it got into a whole new ethical realm that the researchers weren't even planning on seeing. And, you know, by the same token, you have that being bad, but you have, that same kind of approach being used to help some people get over, you know, fears that I'm scared of spiders because one landed on my face when I was a little kid and I never got over it really, or that, that memory is always there. But if I can experience a spider or think about a spider and then have either pharmaceutically or through talk therapy, kind of that memory softened a bit so it doesn't cause me that stress reaction, then I might not be scared of spiders. Yeah. Remember and that time you saw a spider, but then you laughed? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> we all just had a good laugh, and it was just so fun. Yep, yep. <laughs> memory changed. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you, you you mentioned you mentioned the going into sociological uh, type stuff and and uh, you know I am not uh, a student of anything past a bachelor's but my bachelor's is in sociology so I can I can say that I uh, went to college <laughs> at some point in time uh, but you, you talk you talk a little bit about the the memories in uh, in time travel uh, did you did you get anywhere as far as uh, like you t you talk about the notion of time. It's neuro neurologically created. Um, it's it's created by the observer. And uh, you know, I don't know if if you ended up like going into like chronemics, the study of chronemics, which is like uh, culturally we see we view time differently as well. So some might be like very sequential. Others might uh, I use quotes multitask. Did did you get into like any of that type of stuff when you're uh, researching 
um, time travel or even any of the other topics. No, I, I, I really didn't. That, that's that's quite interesting to me that you're just saying that we we like almost culturally. Yeah, absolutely. View time, huh? Yeah, the, it's it's a, a big a big it's not a big field, but it's a field of study that that's growing. And the idea that you know, my family used to say, ah, we have cruise time. We have we have cruise time because we're always running late. Uh, but mm-hmm. that is that culturally, that's what we did. We, I, I do show up late, even if I have two hours ahead of time. I'm like, eh, I'll get there when I get there. But other <laughs> folks, uh, depending on how they were raised, are very, they're very right, right. You know, on time, ready to go. Brandon, I don't know if that's time travel as much as you just prop- improperly uh, <laughs> figuring out travel time uh, and what time you need to leave to be at places. Yeah, uh, well, that that may be true too. But you know, we talk about relativistic time travel uh, and and the fact that it's neurologically created. That that that's what kind of caught me. Uh, observers are the ones who create time. In, in a in a large way, yes. Um, although there is, you know, in in terms of physics, what's called the arrow of time, and that's that is always moving forward. And it's just it's been this weird part of physics for for generations now that can't figure out why you know everything else in space we can travel in any direction we want um x y or z in you know many different things have many different avenues open to them but time you only got one and that's just kind of we're limited to that by by the universe and then i guess it's it's a weird way that our brain tries to can make sense of that and there i guess there are multiple approaches to how brains can make sense of make sense of time yeah, right, right, right. Uh, you, 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 there's a, a part where you mention, um, like it, going under surgery, you, that severing that link to noticing change, as yep. to- Aristotle says, time is a measurement of change, uh, and and then waking up and think times has moved forward, but you, you know, there's there was nothing for you. It's just right, right. Uh, so that's it's ex- extraordinarily interesting to me. Uh, it, that which that gets you that it gives you that whole idea that um, time is outside of me. There is no time in me. That time is just somehow outside of me. Because if I can somehow sever that connection with the outside world deeply enough, time stops for me. Even though it doesn't for my body, but in terms of my conscious mind and the thing that is observing, time has stopped, and I have to be told no. It's actually six hours later and the surgery was a success yeah that's that's basically how every friday night of mine is Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, and with that uh we'll move on a little bit Uh, we'll move forward we'll move forward there we go uh so i am curious like uh there there are so many like pop culture and sort of sci-fi type um uh, areas out there, other properties that could get this treatment. Like, what what led you to to go with Rick and Morty, uh, sort of for this first uh, unofficial guide? Well, the offer from the editor had a lot to do with it. <laughs> solid, solid, great choice. <laughs> but it's you know when you look at these books, I think we've kind of we're we're I would say maxing, but I don't think we're I don't think that's a bad connotation. I think pretty much anybody that has a favorite. Um, science fiction slash fantasy franchise, you know, something they just love can find a book on the science of that stuff. Um, I know there's a new 
Game of Thrones one coming out, um, I think in October. Um, there have been plenty of Harry Potter ones, tons of Star Wars ones, or you know, three or four. Um, and so I think, you know, ultimately, I think that's a good thing. And looking, you know, when I did, when my editor did suggest this to me, you know, the first thing I did was, come on, somebody's already had to have done this. And while there were, you know, articles here and there on the internet, no one had, you know, kind of done a whole view type of thing. And that was kind of cool. And knowing the, the audience um, and how passionate the audience for Rick and Morty is, uh, wanting to know kind of every little thing and that's you know that's a a helpful thing um in doing something like this of you know the audience will pick apart frame by frame of what this means what this means what this means and you know that's a that's a good audience to uh then you know offer something up that kind of digs deeper and hey at the same time ties it into some real world science that you know as a country, as a planet, we could all deal with thinking about some real-world science a little bit more. Oh yeah, for sure. So I, I, I we have to ask some like specific Rick and Morty questions just for, <laughs> by the nature of of the podcast. So as a fan, uh, we have to know: Do you have like a favorite episode, and then also like why is that particular episode your favorite? Um, let's see. I think. You'd mentioned earlier Total Recall. I just, I love for the, it just builds and builds the frustration that Rick is feeling in that. That, you know, kind of, I think we've had that all. And I think that's why that, that episode is so, it hits, you know, the right chord is that everyone has had that feeling. It's a human feeling of, I'm the only person who can see this and everyone else is wrong, yeah. you know. In, in a good way, not in a dictator kind of way. Um, but, you know, I just, I love that kind of, oh, all these people are idiots. And then you kind of get that that fantasy of just, I'm going to kill everything. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you think of the science of that, holy crap, is that frightening? You know, luckily, it's kind of a benign memory parasite that it's not trying to hurt you. But you can't trust your own memories. That's that's where it gets really weird. Um, yeah, that's and, and creepy. creepy. Creepy for sure. Yeah. Yep. And but so that's one of my favorites. And um Rick Shank Redemption. I think uh between Rick Shank and um Pickle Rick, I think Justin and Dan have an action movie in them because that <laughs> those were the best action sequences and the smartest stuff going on that I have seen in, in years. And I, I just loved them for the, the madcap of, they took this insane, insane premises in both episodes and just treated it with respect and just ran with it. And it made sense. And it was, good to the very last second when you look at some of those sequences like even in the pickle rick episode like kudos to the directors and storyboard artists too that were able to take like because i don't know what that looks like on like a written page but for (laughs) them to like create this like intense you know like martial arts sort of scene um using a pickle that is built out of like rat, rat parts yeah and it's, it's bones it's, and feet yeah yeah it's, it's pretty amazing so we have three seasons under our belts but we have the promise of 70 more episodes uh oh. starting this november uh, are there are there any things like you're looking forward to or maybe any like areas of science that haven't been explored that you'd uh love to see pop up in a future episode 
oh, I think there's tons of areas of science that that haven't been explored. And, and I'm, I'm kind of I think I think everybody is at that edge of more Rick and Morty is a good thing. But at the same time, you're like, oh, I, I hope it just doesn't kind of, you know, and saying this about Rick and Morty, it's really not an insult. I hope it just doesn't stick its head up its own butt. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and start to just, you know, well, we're going to go in and we're going to tell a two-part arc on why it's called Dimension C-137 and not 138 or 136. And we're going to look at the—and I, I have a lot of faith in in the, the whole team, um, the creative team on it. Um, you know, and I don't think they will at all, but, you know, I'd love to see— just new stuff, the new stuff that they can come up with. Um, certainly were, you know, they've kind of put themselves as a show that uses science and kind of takes takes their cues from where modern science is and kind of jumps forward a little bit. And even in the time since the very first season, some of that stuff is changed and a little bit dated now. And so, you know, what do they think of, you know, with maybe the next development and, and kind of where are things going to go with, with this and with that. And can we go back to um, a simulation universe or have we, have we played that out, that, that kind of stuff? So yeah, I'm, I'm anxious for all of it. I'm, I'm thinking it's all going to be really, really good stuff. Yeah. I, 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 everything that we've ever heard from uh, Dan Harmon uh, with, with him, like, even when we talk about like Mr. Meeseeks, right. And, and a hesitance to just instantly jump to Meeseeks again uh, because it has to, has to have a good reason for it. Um, everything indicates that they are not just going to be like, ah, you know what? I want to explain the real origin of, of Rick's portal gun. Uh, yeah, it, they could they could coast for they could coast for three seasons. Yeah, they can uh, on just the stuff. They could coast for seventy episodes if they, if they, really <laughs> could. they could. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a, a, a way to go of just like haha? We fought for seventy episodes and now we're just gonna give <laughs> give give our audience the middle finger and just coast it right out. And Adult Swim is like ah, damn it, you guys Son got us, <laughs> you bastard. Did I? I'm trying to think if I. Because I, I thought it all the time, and I don't think I put it in there. I might have. Gosh, this is embarrassing. I don't think I mentioned it in Evolution because I was trying to think of how that could work with Mister Meesix, of how how that kind of thing could evolve, and kind of got to the point in my mind that you know a, a race like the Meesix could not evolve that way. They they're totally artificial, which led me to the whole idea, and. I'm not sure if it's a fan theory or not. I wouldn't be surprised if it is that the Meeseeks are Rick's creation, that he created them just for that purpose. And having, you know, kind of Rick's moral compass is okay that they die or that they, you know, don't exist anymore as soon as they fulfilled their purpose. And so that's, yeah, that's my hot take on Mr. Meeseeks. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past him, but you know, you never know. Maybe he's, maybe he's, you know, selling uh, Meeseeks boxes out on the intergalactic black market or something. Like yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. That would, uh, he has to have all this money from something. He, yeah. Uh, we, I, uh, I, I want to explore that, that so much because I mean, like what, like how many, how many of these boxes we, we know there's a flea seeks box out there. Just kidding. It's a, it's a mop and bucket. Um, <laughs> but you know, to, to, to create that, is and for somebody to have that kind of power if they do have that box and they're in a position that they could just just 
press away and like uh, yep. I, I, Travis and I used to do a Blood Dome Battle League and one of the stories we did it's you know where we pit two characters against each other and we didn't we involved the me seeks and it was just like a fight to the death it's like just keep making me seeks until you take over the world like what how long would a me seeks have to take for that you know right right and that's kind of the, that's always the fun stuff with with science fiction is the the bigger changes you know you, you talk about and i think they've played it really well with um rick's portal gun that it's you know it's it's more than just you know kind of this MacGuffin. it does have you know quote unquote value within the universe because there is some portal technology but the portal technology that the other species have that the alien has and certainly that the president had uses a lot of energy yeah. you see the big gate set up and everything and so therefore it's limited um but rick i mean he can carry it in his pocket and so if you had the portal gun and i mentioned this in there if you had a portal gun you know i could open you know a circle could open in front of you and a rifle sticks out and bang and the circle closes and now that government is in complete disarray or a circle opens and my army marches out. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so it's interesting to, to look at these science fiction things. And I think, you know, since the world doesn't give us the chance of, well, what would be the implications of this new technology? You know, science fiction kind of allows us to do these thought experiments of, you know, if we could make clones, what, what where would things go? If we could make perfect clones, you know, what... What would the world be like if we could, you know, if we could make portal guns? You know, it's just one of those things. There have been some really, really good comic book stories um, written like that or series that, you know, if we just had portal or teleportation technology, the world will change. It would not be the same world that we know because you could just jump all around. Yeah. And I'm not talking about, you know, I can go to Disney World anytime I want. It's <laughs> but you still have to wait in line. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, look, look, I'm already sitting in the seat. Sorry, I'll just take this next ride. But yeah, that's that's some of the fun stuff that you can do with it as well of, uh, you know, where would things end with this kind of technology? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Hello. I'm here. Okay. Uh, sorry, sorry about that. I uh, don't know. Quite happened. Uh, Webernets, I'm sure, didn't like us. Um, but yeah, you talk, talking about the portals and it just like the how how much that would that would change. Uh, you know, all we have to do is look at the thrilling finale to Avengers Endgame to see what portals <laughs> would do for us. That's right. They could save us. <laughs> Table. No spoilers. No. <laughs> I think I think we're past spoilers on that movie. I think, I think we're well think past spoilers. And, and when this airs, we'll definitely we'll have another month on us. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I want to I want to say uh, I really enjoyed the book, and I'm I'm so and I can speak for Travis too. I'm going to. He also enjoyed the book. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, Thanks so much. And and we, it means a lot that you came back on the show to act to talk to us again with a, a system that doesn't. Glitch out or kick kick us off. <laughs> um, where, so uh, you, you mentioned the the science of dot org. Uh, yep. It, where where else can folks get a hold of you? Find you? Uh, just you know, a ask you questions when this book comes out and they they buy it. Um, we uh, I, I do have we have a Facebook feed for the science of which is 
Boy, you caught me flat-footed on that one. That's, That's embarrassing. I will edit. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is the science of at the sci of on Facebook. And right now it has a really swanky banner ad for Rick and Morty at the very top of that. And at Twitter, we are science of underscore org. Um, and I'll get that banner up there as well so you can tell you're in the right place. Um, but on both of those things, uh, I'm, I'm there all the time and I'm talking about cool science, um, sometimes fictional. Uh, oftentimes it's, it's hard to, uh, sometimes it's hard to do the fictional when the weird stuff and the cool stuff is coming out so fast. And so a lot of the times I'll just say, holy crap, is this, is this some neat stuff that's come out? Um, those folks that might be going to New York Comic Con, I should be there Saturday. Oh, all right. Yes. And I'll be signing at the Simon & Schuster booth. Um, probably not going to be able to do a panel or anything, but at least I'll be there. And they've they've said they're they're going to be there with plenty of books. So Nice. You, you heard it here. Simon, <laughs> Simon & Schuster at New York Comic Con, and you'll be there. Yep. Uh, and, and for those of you that can't make it to New York Comic Con... For starters, I'm sorry. I'll be one. I'm. I'm. I am one of you. <laughs> You're not alone. Uh, but but the book is out October first, 2019. It's the science of Rick and Morty, the unofficial guide to Earth's stupidest show. Uh, Matt Brady, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's it's so much fun talking to you and all of the things that you've researched about the show. We could probably <laughs> do like a four hour podcast. We probably could. <laughs> but yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. It's been my pleasure to be here. And and. I think we said last time, I'm not sure if that part made it to air or not. Just remember, manipulating cockroach brains, that's real. Uh, they they have kits, people. They have, they have kits. Backyard Brains is the name of the company. I love giving them a shout out because people just can't believe it. You can make your own remote controlled cockroach that you can steer with an app on your phone. Uh, you know, the oh. part of the part of that is, is me touching the cockroach. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And clipping off their antenna and jamming an electrode down in the little antenna hole. Uh, I'm sure it has an anatomical name, but antenna hole sounds good. You got to get that antenna all the way up that hole. All the way up. All right, everybody. Uh, yeah. Go check out this book. Make sure that you pick it up. Uh, go get it signed at New York Comic Con. Uh, once again, thank you, Matt, for for coming on the show. My pleasure. Uh, very, very cool, uh, very cool book and so excited that he took the time to talk to us about us, about the book and, and share some of the details about what went into writing it and, and everything else. So yeah, big, big shout out to Matt. Uh, make sure you go out and pick up the book. It is available when Brandon, <laughs> when is it? Available? <laughs> uh, it is available. Oh man. Really? You're going to throw that on me? You're going to throw that <laughs> Fudge. Um, I think it's available uh, everywhere as soon as this podcast comes out, the first of October. Yeah, go buy it right now. Just go to <laughs> go to your bookstore. Go to Amazon. I think we, we talked about it in the interview. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, which the interview that we clearly just listened to. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go go buy the book. It is out in October. October. Uh, all right, everybody. That is that is it for the main thing. It is now time for everyone's favorite segment: listener suggestions and short outs. Uh, we're having fun today. We're all over the place. Um, we're all over the yeah, place. Yeah, and and this uh, this listener suggestions and short outs segment features a couple of reviews. 
Yes, yes, it yes it does. Yes, it does. Over on over on Apple Podcasts, we got a we got a, a slew of reviews. Slew of reviews, slew of reviews, slew of reviews. There's slew of reviews. <laughs> um which which one do you want to which one do you want to look at first? Right? You, you, you I'll to... read the short one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, the first one is from Toonbox C, uh, and it says, "Pass the guac, bro. <laughs> These boys going straight ham on that Rick and Morty podcast game, bruh. Done improvising some fun songs and checking that Dan Harmon social, bruh. Hold on tight, bruh." <laughs> that that is a review that gets my stamp of approval (laughs) you Uh, you, five stars five five stars you uh, what what tickled me about you reading that review is every time you you gave the like extra half a second pause anytime you said bruh bruh (laughs) checking that dan Harmon social bruh (laughs) hold on (laughs) tight (laughs) you gotta you gotta let the bruh breathe it's gotta it's gotta float in the air and permeate the atmosphere uh, yeah it's like a like a, uh, put it around your snifter whatever that thing's called yeah whatever uh real quick side story my my seven-year-old had to make a bracelet in 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 school the other day uh and you you had to write you had to make with beads make one word and uh, so the word he put on his bracelet was nothing he put nothing on his bracelet, but then he found three uh, little uh, avocado-shaped uh, beads, and he put those on. I'm like, oh, what does that? What does that mean? He's like, nothing matters but guacamole. <laughs> like, yeah, you little shit. That's you are so my, your kid. You are my kid. Uh, all right, so let's let's move on just a little bit. Uh, this this review. This interview is from Josh K. Yarsgaard, who uh, we, we talked about him last time. He was the one who hit us up on Twitter and was like, hey, uh, I want to do an essay on on your podcast. Uh, if if I can ask you a few questions, what, what have you. Uh, sure. Gave him some input. Well, he put that input that essay directly into a review um and and i'm and i and i said i was going to read it out loud on this podcast you're gonna read the whole thing it's uh get get prepared everybody buckle in buck buckle up let's go buckle up in the rickmobile click because we're going for a ride uh make sure if you're you're too short you don't get on the airbag side and here we go yeah safety first Uh, good show lots of potential it's titled Background information. Interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast, hosted by Travis and Brandon, is one of the largest podcasts about Rick and Morty, the hit adult cartoon on Adult Swim. The show has been running nearly bi-weekly since January 15th, 2017. Travis and Brandon produced two other podcasts named Apathetic Enthusiasm and Submitted for Your Approval, a Twilight Zone podcast. Travis and Brandon have had an uphill battle producing this podcast for the last two years. Due to unresolved issues, there hasn't been a new episode of Rick and Morty since October 1st, 2017. Brandon and Travis have come up with creative topics from fan theory reviews to trivia shows. In the lull between the third and fourth season, Brandon and Travis have managed to keep their show alive and well. Structure and summary, each episode of Interdimensional RSS begins with a segment entitled Semi-Pertinent News. 
SPN for short. SPN covers news that isn't crucial to the show, but exists in the periphery. The news discussed often involves the show's creators, comic conventions, R&M tidbits from Adult Swim, and other not-so-exciting news. The segment is an easy way for fans to keep up with the real-world workings surrounding Rick and Morty. Inside SPN, there's a sub-segment referred to as the Dan Harmon Social Media Minute. In a few quick minutes, Travis and Brandon note interesting posts from the social media of Dan Harmon, co-creator of Rick and Morty and creator of NBC's Community. Following SPN, the bulk of the podcast is taken up by a segment called The Main Thing. Main Thing. This segment ranges from a buddy podcast to an interview or even a trivia game show. The bulk of the first episode I listened to, episode 79, (laughs) obligatory Q&A episode, the main thing included Brandon and Travis reading fan theories about Rick and Morty. The two co-hosts alternated reading theories about the plot of Rick and Morty, the characters, and speculation on season four. In the second episode I listened to, episode 80, Trivia Time, Brandon and Travis ask each other trivia questions. At the end of the show, Brandon and Travis answer (laughs) fan emails and questions or read new reviews of the podcast. This segment of the podcast is called Listener Sedorsons and Short Outs. Content review. I didn't find the content of the two podcasts I listened to for this interview particularly compelling. The lack of new Rick and Morty content for two years would give even the most talented broadcaster a challenge. I think Brandon and Travis have done the best they could with a bad situation. Interdimensional RSS is an entertaining podcast to listen to if you're a big Rick and Morty fan. The hosts are very knowledgeable and have good insights into the show. The commentary and chemistry that Brandon and Travis have together makes for a fun and engaging listening experience. Podcast advertising. The two episodes of Interdimensional RSS I heard did not have any formal advertising or copy reading. Instead, the hosts generate their revenue from Patreon, a crowdfunding source for creators. They intend to just cover their monthly operating costs. I reached out to the creators of the podcast on Twitter for their insight on why they don't include formal brand sponsorship. Travis and Brandon told me they didn't believe ads for sexual impotence or underwear fit in with the whole Rick and Morty animations feel. They also said they don't have the fame to justify selling out like that. Final Those final are direct quotes, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Final score. Upon further review of this podcast, I've settled on a score of three and a half, three out of five stars. The sound quality of the show is great. The sound effects are interesting, and the editing is tight. Tight, yeah. I think the production value tight. and topics of the show will increase with the release of the season four in November. I'm excited to see what Brandon and Travis can do with the podcast once new Rick and Morty content arrives. 683 words. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you thank you josh j sars j josh sars guard uh thank you josh uh <laughs> great great job it, he has promised to let us know what grade he gets on this essay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh a few editor's notes um I, I i want to defend episodes 79 and 80 uh which <laughs> Certainly are not Our peak best. interdimensional RSS. Um, <laughs> they 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 are genuinely <laughs> us spinning out after two years of no Rick and Morty. So uh, yeah. I would have I would have loved to hear Josh's opinion on a like mid season three recap episode. Yeah, um, yeah. that that would that would be pretty interesting. I you know, you um, know what what, what, what I, yeah. I I appreciate I appreciate his review. 
be, because he, he gave he gave us three out of five stars, but it wasn't like, oh, yeah, this uh, shitty shit heads, shit, shit, shit. Um, the fact that he gave us three out of five, even for those two episodes, which. Yeah, yeah those were definitely three out of five episodes. I, yeah, <laughs> those are those are us being like, well, we've only got two months to go. We're the, almost the, there. The other thing that uh, his his review does is highlights the fact that uh, at at midnight it will officially be two years without any new Rick and Morty episodes. <laughs> two full years, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that is something. That is, uh, whew, boy. Um, but yeah, thanks thanks again to Josh. Thanks thanks for the review. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, it's this awesome. I'm gonna have that. Uh, you you wrote my uh, I don't know <laughs> my 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 resume that for whenever I need a new job you it's, you, ba- it's you basically wrote our our elevator pitch for this show uh. <laughs> yeah if we're going on the Empire State Building <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah yeah so those those are reviews <laughs> this week thank you thank you to everyone that's I get it a because because Empire State Building is 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 very tall. Also, uh, the truth is, we're not above slinging, um, you know, male fertility products or, or high price underwear. Um, make us an offer, folks. Make us an offer. <laughs> we'll we we will sling your your ads. We'll do, we'll do ad reads. We're not we're not above it. Um, but yeah, and and if you would like to leave a review on this podcast or any of our podcasts, you can head over to Apple Podcasts and uh, let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Write an essay if that's what you're into. Um, but you don't have to. It doesn't have to be 683 words. It can be however many you like. Ten words. Uh, ten. Ten words. Uh, yeah, and that... Ladies and gentlemen, is episode eighty-two of Interdimensional RSS. We are we are weeks away from brand new Rick and Morty reviews. So, if you have friends, if you have people in your life that love Rick and Morty but don't know about the podcast yet, uh, now's the time. Start sharing it with them. Maybe maybe if you're going through like a rewatch with some friends, gearing up for season four, uh, you can you can use this podcast as a nice little companion piece to uh to go back and look at all of our reviews from the show and all that stuff uh yeah so thanks to those of you that that have shared this with oh my goodness (laughs) hey guys the the echo is listening (laughs) i I do not like rick and morty podcasts (laughs) yeah i'm gonna start getting reviews from from her now um all right well that is our show thank you guys so much for listening thank you for watching everybody on youtube and twitch uh please go follow us out on those those platforms as well uh we love hanging out doing doing post show hangouts with uh with all the people tuning in live on streams uh, just about every Monday night. So, uh, yeah, thank you. I've said thank you like twenty you've, times. You said Brandon. thank you twenty times. Let's, oh, it's trivia time! Trivia time in the post show. Uh, <laughs> and until two weeks from now, I'm Travis and I am Brandon. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you on the other side of the music. Bye. Bye.